A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, what a morning it's been for me. I, <laughs> I lost my laptop, first of all, so this is delayed. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to come up here. I'm going to be really clear about what I want to talk about with today's guest, who I'm particularly excited about talking to. And then Alf just had the mother of all meltdowns downstairs. So I spent the last 15 minutes of my life trying to explain to a baby who, of course, doesn't understand why he needs to be wrapped up during winter. So I'm very excited now to be locked in a room away from him to speak to podcaster, writer, mother of three, Clemmy Telford. I'm beyond excited. I actually have a really long introduction for you, oh. but mainly... I'm just, I love your channels. I love how you give a voice and inspire honest conversations about difficult subjects, whether that's body image, mental health, relationship struggles, money challenges. I love your podcast. It's called But Why. You've had some amazing guests on. Yeah, I just love how you shine a light on your own journey of self-development in a relatable, non-judgmental and very humorous way. You know what, it's always, it's kind of uncomfortable, but nice to hear someone play your own stuff back to you. And, you know, I found myself in this position, however many years down the line of sharing my journey online. And it kind of has somehow added up to have something kind of cohesive, but in a very back to front manner. Do you find that you were sharing a lot online in the early days of motherhood? Yes. So when I so I had my first two boys very close together, 22 months apart, which I, I honestly don't know what we we're thinking. <laughs> and when I had Bertie, my first is about to turn nine, there wasn't any of what there is now. And then by the time I had Woody 22 months later, it was just in its infancy. And so when I started sharing online, there wasn't a kind of pre-understanding of, I hate the expression Insta mum, but any of that. There was nothing. I was only sharing stuff because when I shared stuff, I met other like-minded people and it was a way of of saving myself because I hadn't found my people. I hadn't found a, a version of motherhood I related to first time around. And then via Instagram, I did the second time around. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because you say like the concept now of like kind of like Insta mom or mummy blogger as they're called. And one of the first things I said when I found out I was pregnant was I will absolutely not be a mummy blogger. I think I even said it on my stories. And here I am with a podcast called Mums the Word talking to other mums. And I feel like I'm in this kind of like vicious cycle even online because 
I'm very much in the stage where I'm like battling with my identity. I have really bad days. I have some amazing days as well. But I feel like it's a vicious cycle because the the more I talk about my life as a mum, the more I feel like I'm pigeonholed as a mum. And the more I'm pigeonholed mm. as a mum, the more I kind of want to like rip out of this like new identity and just go mm. back to who I used to be. Oh, uh, but that that is the absolute crux of it, I think. For me, where I, I don't want to say went wrong, but that's the language that's coming to my mind. The way <laughs> I really struggled for that first year, 18 months, maybe two years, is because I was really desperate to claw back a to my old life. I I I thought I knew what motherhood would be and I thought it would just be Clemmy plus a child. And then the moment I stopped fighting that fight and accepted that I was a new version of me that could still, you know, in my mind, care about fashion, want to do interesting things, et cetera, et cetera. But except that I was never going to go back to that pre-baby version of me because how can you? It it and I think that when you think oh I'm not going to become a mummy blogger, <laughs> you're just share motherhood becomes a huge all-encompassing part of your life. So it's not about becoming a mummy blogger. It's just about sharing the thing that is taking up your most en- most energy at that time, which happens to be motherhood. And it's funny, isn't it? Because. I feel like the whole like phrase of mummy blogger, which can have like negative connotations in the way that we're all like, oh, we don't want to be mummy bloggers or I'll meet people that are like, oh, oh, you're a mummy blogger. Mm. And it's funny because social media is about sharing your life. And I wonder what it is about motherhood that kind Mm -hmm. of has this sort of negativity attached to it. It's, it's so fascinating. It's interesting for me. I've because of the my own journey that I've gone. I'm dipping my toe a bit more into the fitness kind of sector. And actually, I went to a really brilliant but big event last night. And if if you were to say, "Oh, you're a fitness blogger," that just doesn't feel as loaded as saying motherhood. But you know, motherhood is well, parenting is is the most important job in the world. We're raising the next generation, and yet the documenting of that is somehow seen as as negative, I guess. Yeah, I can't understand it either, but I know that I recoil at being called a mummy blogger, maybe because it devalues the rest of who I am, my career, yeah, my own identity being just, you know, that first thing when you're introduced as, in my case, oh, Bertie's mum or Woody's mum is Greta's mum. And now I, I feel really comfortable with that. But actually, to begin with, I found it really terrifying to lose my name because up until then I'd had a big career and I was being used to being introduced by my achievements. And, and because that it's wrongly, motherhood is maybe not positioned with on the pedestal it should be, it felt like you'd been devalued. Yeah, and I guess that's where the concept of like, oh, just a mum or yeah you're right like all your other achievements seem to like fall by the wayside if you're mm-hmm. a mum I know that I'm going through that at the moment with um, DJing which was obviously something that stopped with the pandemic and the pandemic was also like the beginning of my pregnancy so I feel mm. like lockdown and my old life DJing is so intrinsically linked to coming out of the pandemic is like this kind of like reborn mum and then you know when I ask about DJ gigs and they'll be like oh well, you know brands think that you're just a mum now and I'm like 
but I'm just a mum who's a really good DJ. <laughs> oh, isn't that mad? And then the problem is you get in this cycle where you feel really determined to prove something, which again was probably the next chapter for me. I went back to my ad agency jobs after both my boys and just had this chip on the sh- my shoulder of like, oh, I'm going to prove that I can do both, that I can ha- hold down this career and have kids. And then I got a year into that. I was like, who am I proving this to? Because actually, I, well, the only person that I'm destroying in this is is me. But it, it's, it's so difficult. And the most important thing is that we need to give parenting and caring the value that it deserves. It, it, it As I say, it's the most important job. So the kind of, yeah, oh, she's just a mum person now is... It's so off the mark, isn't it? Do you know what? It's interesting to me that you said it took you about 18 months to two years to start, to basically like deal with your identity crisis. Becoming oh. what, what would you say helped you? And, and even like reflecting back on that time, what do you wish you could say to someone like me who's going through it or other people kind of battling this identity crisis? I, I wish I'd given myself over to it more. I and I, I did manage to do that with my third baby. I wish that I wasn't so preoccupied with getting back to something because what will happen is you you it will come back. Your life will balance out again. Parenting will become part of your life, not all of your life. It will. But when you're in it in the early days, you can't imagine that. So you're so I was so desperate to get out of joggers and leggings. I was so desperate to get my social life back, to get back into work. But actually and it's really hard to hit see it when you're in it. It is so precious. You really only have that tiny baby for such a small window of your life. And then it then it's done. I look at my nearly nine year old now, I'm just like, whoa, I can I can see glimpses of the person he's gonna become. And all that that time I was trying to to get something back that I, I was I was detra- distracted from trying to enjoy and that's very difficult to say enjoy the moment that you're in did you find with your second so with Woody he is he seven now he's about seven next week oh happy birthday Woody <laughs> um did you find it easier with a second because it's interesting to me as someone that's it sounds like going through what you went through with your father mm-hmm. where I'm like battling and I'm worried about perception on the outside and I'm in this sort of like vicious cycle and not find my people um for want of a better word in terms of like in the kind of parenthood space and when I hear people like you that have had another baby I'm just like god I I, I honestly don't I can't imagine doing it again it felt very different. I mean, for me, there's also a story in that my first birth, as often, sadly, is the case, my first birth was relatively traumatic, nothing terrible, but induction, you know, intervention, spat out the other side of labor, just in absolute shock in my body, feeling utterly alien and an exhaustion and this trying to re- reclaim yourself. So you're just in a spiral, whereas... My second labour, uh, yeah, I had a home birth, and it was it was really wonderful. And so straight away, you know that the oxytocin kicks in. You're feeling much better about yourself. The bleeding and that early poo and breastfeeding, none of that is a shock anymore. So you're not you're not on this awful just yeah whirlwind of trying to recover yourself. You're 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 starting off on a better place. And I think I. I just was able to own it a bit more. I did less of that, oh, in my old life, 
I used to go out now or our old holidays used to look like that, which to be honest, anything where you're constantly comparing yourself to something that you can't have just mars everything. Whereas, yeah, I, I was already used to the complete life change and was able to sit with it a bit more and, and try and begin to enjoy it, which I, I just don't think I, I don't think I enjoyed the first year, which breaks my heart because of course I adore Bertie more than anything, but yeah, I don't, hats off to anyone who does, to be honest. It's interesting to me that obviously you actually said today that you were looking forward to reflecting because you're kind of like sort of stepping out of these mm. kind of like younger years now. It's your youngest is four, but what you also said that it it's it gives you relief, like you're relieved <sighs> not to be going through it, which I think is really interesting because it kind of gave me a little bit of hope to be. God, I sound so negative. I'm so no. sorry. I wanted this podcast to be like really upbeat and fun, but I feel like. I, like obviously I've got where I'm at as well and I, I've i really been going through it this week I think because Alf's not really been sleeping oh. and we had like our like first family sickness bug oh. and even though Alf's just kind of got out of it I've had to sleep with him like pretty much lying upright in my arms so <laughs> like you know sleep deprivation sickness like all of it I'm just, I'm just like when how old is he gonna get better he's 10 and a half months so okay. yeah and you're at a weird bit where no disrespect to Alf but the novelty's worn off your adrenaline's run out everyone kind of to begin with when you have a baby everyone's kind of interested and it feels a bit special and then you're like all right no this is just my life now and the enormity of it really, really does stretch ahead of you. But actually within, and it's really coming for you, it's really going to start shifting to be easier. Once they start walking and talking and they're people, everything changes, but it, the, the, the changes to something being better are so incremental that you don't even realise it's happened. And actually this summer we went camping and I read a book on the, in the middle of the day. So that is nine years of parenting, nine years of holidays. I was like, I am reading a book. And you know what? That feels like a real shift back towards the life that, of, of how holidays used to be. But it's taken a long time to get there. That's so funny. I took four books on holiday um, the other week. And I mean, I must have been so delusional. <laughs> one page did I check? But that gives me hope. I just have nine years to go. and then Sorry. I can but that's because I've chosen to have quite a few other kids, you know. So <laughs> Bertie probably didn't let us read a book much sooner. But I guess, I mean, this is a really depressing answer. Things get easier when your bar gets lower. Your expectation gets lower. So, but when I had my third, I didn't expect that I was going to get sleep really for the first year. I didn't expect that we'd have a social life or that holidays would be relaxing. But then every time that they were, every time that she did sleep a decent chunk, it, it felt brilliant. And I think it's just being really realistic with yourself. I think what's interesting to me is I fully expected it to be really difficult at the beginning. And I actually wish I'd started recording this podcast right at the beginning because you, it was just that like total high in oxytocin. Yeah. I felt like my anxiety had been cured. Oh, yeah. We were in the middle of a lockdown because I gave birth in January 2021, so earlier this year. And I was just like, wow, like lucky me that there's all this like chaos in the world and I have this like bundle of joy oh. he slept like he slept in my arms but still that's where I wanted him to be and like it was just heaven and like you said 
friends and everybody was like what can I do we can't wait to come Mm -hmm. and visit and I feel like now you're right it is that I'm exhausted and I'm starting to be like oh I really oh look at all my friends in this post-lockdown life kind of going back to normal Mm -hmm. my version of normal is so not there but also I feel like there there's kind of this expectation in like work friendship all of it that you're kind of that you've got it figured out by now and I almost feel like I have it even less Less figured out out. and you know I'm still breastfeeding and so sometimes I'm like I feel like I'm already I'm trying to do everything and pretend I can do everything Mm. but I'm still like attached like this child is still attached to my body which you know there's pros and cons I mean mainly pros of that but sometimes Mm. I'm like can he just fuck off and like no and also I was just doing a story about this this morning. I've got a jacket on, a baseball jacket that I got when I was breastfeeding the first time. Even having to, and it's not a negative, breastfeeding is a joy and for all the reasons that we know. But actually even having to look at your wardrobe and think, can I get access to my boobs? Means that you're not quite dressing how you want to. And, you know, how we dress is part of our identity. There's all these little things that aren't major, but they all add up to, yeah, to a, a really challenging thing. But also I was wondering for you, how, have many of your friends got babies? No, not really. I've got a friend, yeah. uh, my friend Jackie, she's got two boys, but um, her youngest is three. So obviously she's yeah. much further ahead. And also she's a very, very amazingly organised person that makes it look really easy. Whereas my life is like, well was spontaneous chaos so I'm still trying to learn that that's a huge thing though for me when I had my first none of my friends did and by the time I had my second they my you know my core friendship group started to catch up and then there was a thing where I had one I had two by the time they had one and then I had three by the time they had two but at least at least I just didn't have that thing of them still doing I don't think it's helpful when you can see your old life. So I could see them going out for long lunches or I could see them going on nice holidays and I, and I wasn't. And and that felt really difficult, even though it's exactly what I wanted. I chose, I decided to have a baby. It's 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 hard not to pine for that, that version of your life. Um, I'd love to like actually ask you about this because this is like, the thought that's been going on in my head this mm-hmm. week and... I'm actually getting a lot better at not taking like resentment about society in general out on Tom and like bless Tom. <laughs> I have to like just caveat this by saying he is like the most amazing dad. Like I hate the term hands on and all of that because he's a parent, but you know, he's like stepped up and actually probably put a lot of his own emotions aside to kind of like carry me. So mm-hmm. this is not a reflection of him, but I I just I wish I was a dad Mm. like I'm jealous that he gets to go to Mm. the office so even today I'm sat in his um, little office in our spare room but like it's a novelty because I don't normally get to do this it's only because he's in the office that I've come up here and I'm like I I'm so jealous that you get to go to work every Mm. day you've just accepted or is thinking about accepting a new role so it's he was like oh it's I'm gonna have to like really socialize again and like network and I was like oh so now you get to go to work and you get to socialise. Isn't that nice? And, you know, like things like football and rugby and all of those things that you like to do. I'm like, oh, you want to go to work and you want to socialise, obviously, for work. And now you want to have a social life in your personal life. And I, I find it like hard because, you know, as you said, like you, you were a career, career woman before. And obviously you can be a career woman after. But I envy that. Yeah. It's so much hard. Like sometimes I'm like, I, 
I don't want to have to think about if Alf has the right size clothes and if there's enough like batch cooking in the freezer and all that. (laughs) I just want to go to work. And you know what? I mean, I've got a lot to say on this. First of all, what I found very startling is up until the point that we had a baby, me and my husband were really equal. You know, we partied a lot together. We kind of, you know, everything, it was, we were just utterly equal. It was, it was a non thing for me. And again, he's been a brilliantly, not even hands-on, he's just been a dad. He's been a present dad, but it is impossible not to feel resentful when your life feels nothing like the life you had. I mean, we're talking right down to your body, your finances, your what your structure of your day looks like your brain biologically like sometimes when I lie up at night breastfeeding Alf I'm like you motherfucker for not having boobs like it's so irrational I'm yeah. like yeah. how dare your biology not give not allow you to lactate it's so rude it's, yeah. but you know interestingly for me when we had Greta our third we well actually now Ben is the stay-at-home parent and I am the the only income provider. So we've got a complete flip. And it's very interesting for me now to sit in this role. And that wasn't in the postpartum years, I might add. But boy, the pressure to be the one earning the money, the coming back from work, feeling, you know, you've been, especially now you've been on Zoom calls all day, your brain's absolutely gone. And then you come in and I know that Ben's been dealing with dinner time and bath time with the three kids so I have absolutely got to suck up all of my work stress because what he's doing is so much harder but you 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 can't there isn't really a place for me to complain about that stress because yeah because he's doing the parenting gig so it, it has been very interesting for me to sit on the other side to I mean, he does most of the night. If there was wake-ups now, he does them. And, but if I have been doing the parenting thing and then I've got to go and try and sit in an office and be an like articulate human if someone's paying me, that there is a whole other side of it. So it has given me a bit more empathy for guys. But having said that, in my postpartum days, I would have done anything to trot off to work. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like you said earlier, like with you and Ben, before but like before having a baby we were equal and I feel really like lucky and fortunate that in my life I've actually never felt put in a gendered role box Mm -hmm. I've always been I think quite masculine in my personality traits in terms of like my work and my drive and all of those things that we attribute to sort of male well men and since having a baby I think I didn't quite realize how much it does still feel like gendered roles obviously he's talking about heterosexual relationships but even in the way society the expectations on society because I feel like women actually can't really win because you kind of get judged (laughs) for being a stay-at-home mum which by the way I think is amazing because wow the the hardest job and then you kind of also get judged for being career driven as well so and actually you know someone said to me the other day I think they'd like been on the mail online and they'd seen someone who's a mum and they were like god she's never in like how basically something judgmental along her being a mum and I was like that's interesting because you don't say that about her husband and they were like oh yeah I hadn't really thought about that and it's like yeah we yeah it's hard because I do sometimes feel like I'm kind of I've taken on this sort of domestic role that I, I couldn't mm. quite foreseen. But I think I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think there's um, 
I think we've been sold a bit of a lie. So I was a big subscriber to the <laughs> Strong Empowered Woman. I, I mean, of course, I utterly believe in everything that that stands for. But the fact is, if you think that you might want to have children at any point, you're going to be putting a spanner in the works for your career. Like, it's, it's unavoidable. As you say, it's biology, isn't it? We are going to have to have a baby. And even if you were to do the shortest version of maternity leave, even if you've got a partner who will pick up as many pieces as possible, there is a big chunk of it, the carrying it, the labour, the postpartum recovery, that that is going to be yours and it is going to have an impact. And I think I really, for the first couple of years of motherhood, was was trying to do it all, as I say, and trying to balance it. And, and the only person that suffered in amongst that was me. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, a brand new podcast bringing together people's real ghost, extraterrestrial and paranormal stories, as well as getting some inside details from those who study the supernatural. I'll be listening through your paranormal stories every week and try to understand them, as well as chatting about my own encounters with an occasional paranormal investigator too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Just search for Paranormal Activity with Yvette Fielding. And you mentioned, like this is going like totally off topic, but just thinking about, you know, the kind of like lessons that you've learned through motherhood. You have said, said that you've started like exercising a lot. Is that linked to your mental health and body exactly that. do you want to talk me through your kind of journey with that in terms of like with your motherhood journey so I think I mean there's a whole different angle to it but I think up until having kids I if I'm really honest with myself I exercise to try and fit in a certain size of jeans 
you know, all the all the very classic diet, diet culture things. Yeah, that was the way it happened. And then I had my children and I something very interesting happened. I My babies, not at birth, but once they're kind of weaned, were quite chunky. When people used to comment on how chunky my boys were, I, I used to enjoy it. And then when they started commenting on how chunky Greta was, I felt myself kind of recoil and I was like, something isn't good here. You've got to, and I, don't, I actually fundamentally believe you shouldn't be talking about people's bodies anyway. I was like, something is really amiss here. And so I did a lot of work on my own relationship with my body, got rid of my scales, started working out. And for the first time started exercising for no other purpose other than to make myself feel good, other than to sort out my my mental health because I found that if I could just move whether that be a walk or any kind of weights that getting back into my own body made me feel more like myself and and since kind of stopping that that pursuit of getting smaller I now probably am at the strongest and fittest I've ever been and so much of that is motivated by being a good role model for my children by wanting to show the, the joy of exercise for just the joy of exercise. Do you know what? I think about this all the time because I people always comment on like babies. Like Alf's a, a proper little like chunky baby as well. And he's got like the most amazing cellulite and everyone comments like, oh, look at his little dimples. And I'm like, why can't why can't we call ours dimples? Like, yeah, when does it change? For having cellulite. But actually, like, you're right, baby dimples, they're so cute. And it's so normal. And we're not being like, oh, that baby's a bit, fat or oh my god that baby's so skinny like amazing and so like where does it change and mm. it's interesting as well because I'm I feel even though I'm just I'm, well not just but I'm a, a mum to a boy I feel really committed to making sure I never talk down about my body because mm. I don't want Alf to think that women have to be like smaller or whatever it is to be okay and yeah it's it's a weird one isn't it because I feel like I kind of gave up that sort of I mean cycle of exercising for punishment and that mm-hmm. cycle exactly that, of, right. like going on unrealistic diets like I'll only eat lettuce leaves this week and then by Tuesday night having a bottle of wine and a pizza mm-hmm. and then being like I'll start next week and funnily enough the first time I joined a gym when I moved to London um they were like do you know do you know what to do yeah 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 I literally passed out on the treadmill <laughs> that's how hard wow. I, went. I was like there's a lot of punishment that's going to be going on here and when I was on holiday I saw some bathroom scales and it genuinely I think because it's not been a part of my mindset mm. in my life for so long I was like why I don't the scale thing I was like why do, why do they exist apart from for yeah. weight or for like obviously for like health issues that the doctor mm. deal with but like it's weird isn't it because actually Mad. like you said like muscle actually weighs more than fat anyway so like what are, what do the scales tell you really goodness knows goodness knows it, and i just think of all those years and to be honest in my early when I had Bertie, my first, when I was pregnant, I was obsessed with how much weight I was putting on during pregnancy. Because again, if you've been in a cycle of diet culture, that that nine months, 10 months of just putting on weight can be a very, very difficult place to sit. It's like, this is everything I've worked for the rest of my life not, not to do. But I wish I'd known for all those years. Now, I mean, I don't weigh myself, but I would guess that I'm fluctuating within a certain bracket as I would have done all of my life without all that effort of 
trying to exercise and eat in a certain way, just being a bit more in tune with your body. Yeah, it's it's a gift. I'm glad to have got to this place. I echo that because I I think I like didn't eat any pasta in my twenties, and like, I eat it pretty oh, much every day now. Like pasta is one great. of the biggest joys of my life, and I am not a lot different in terms of like my body shape. Like yes, okay, I fluctuate, but I'm really not that different no. than I was. And mad, isn't it? I think what I've have found so hard to, to be honest my, my pregnancy I kind of enjoyed the growing and I feel like as well it it came with a lot of praise mm. so it felt nice you know that even when you felt a bit rubbish people was like oh my god you're glowing and I was like oh am I like <laughs> obviously that says a lot about my need to have um like external praise which is obviously something that I need to work on but it felt nice just to have that constant reassurance but I've never felt more I think like I don't even know how to word it. Like, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place in terms of like body confidence. Like I don't mm-hmm. think I, I don't, I know that stretch marks are actually like a pretty cool thing. They document mm-hmm. like parts of your life and I, I'm in a good place with my body, but I feel so much pressure and also anger about how society treats the postnatal body and mm-hmm. like praises it basically according to how little it weighs or look or how or how yeah how like skinny you look I had like a pretty horrific birth and in fecal incontinence which I wouldn't wish upon anyone and to to be either praised or asked the question are you going to try and snap back or bounce I was a bit like why do you why do you care and I feel like it must it's so hard already for anyone without having to kind of feel like their only worth or their only kind of merit of their postnatal body is whether or not they've managed to do that and, and uh, yeah that I mean the snapback thing is is absolutely mad uh, yeah there's a weird thing where I I think was probably a little bit smaller when I first gave birth and then that that kind of sleep deprivation sugar breastfeeding I feel like that's actually the bit where I, I found you know my body changed again but honestly I think it it took well definitely for me until I gave up breastfeeding for my body to begin to go back to how it was everyone talks about oh you breastfeed and weight will drop off which is such an awful motivator to do it but also for me my body actually stayed in a postpartum state whilst I was still breastfeeding once I stopped it then changed and honestly two years maybe three years to really feel like my body is a hundred percent mine again you know through through slow and gradual training I now feel like I could do anything that, that I could have done before but too right because it's got to recover from just an unbelievable thing I was looking at pregnancy photos because they came up on time hop it's absolutely mad it's a miracle what your body does and to then try and squeeze it into an uncomfortable pair of jeans because someone thinks you should go back to a certain size it's just so insulting yeah and I also feel like it kind of like scratches the sur. it really trivializes what a woman goes through when she gives birth yeah like I've I've spoken to people even you know on here about they were like afraid to show their body because they had lost a lot of weight but they hadn't tried to and they were they were basically like trolled and told that they weren't good role models and that it's unrealistic and it's like it it all boils down to this sort of like policing and judgment of a woman's body 
there is just so much more to the postnatal recovery process and it was interesting for me that I caught COVID a couple of months ago and luckily I didn't get it too badly but because I lost my taste and smell Mm -hmm. um, and I was exhausted because Alf also had it was in hospital and I was probably stressed and to be honest that was probably like the beginning of when I started to go on a bit of a like downhill spiral mentally Mm. and to then be like told oh my god you look amazing like (laughs) you lost weight and I was like yeah I've been been mentally and physically yeah this this is not a happy body this is a body that's stressed um, but I'm so pleased to to like hear that you know you you're in a good place with it and I think it's such a good a good reminder to everyone to throw away the scales and to basically see exercise as something you do to me yeah because it, you know everyone can have the relationship they like with their body but I do think body positivity under a suggestion that exercise is invaluable is is also no, no good you know exercise can absolutely save you and it's not about getting smaller but you you do need to be strong for motherhood you really do there are times when I'm just lugging so much a human a scooter a bag you know it does pay to be healthy and yeah I, I advocate for movement to save your to help your mind and to be strong it, it as something that's so important for motherhood are you still carrying any of your babies lugging them around yeah yeah my three-year-old I still carry around she's almost four yeah no I I actually it's a very weird thing my yeah nearly nine-year-old is like can you carry me I was like I I actually can't for very long anymore I mean especially with a boy it makes my head explode that one day they're going to be men these humans that you grew are going to be have these man bodies I can't get my head around it it's so funny Tom is obsessed with Alf's breath so every morning when Alf wakes up he'll like basically stick his nose in his mouth and he's like oh and I was like isn't it funny that one day you will literally recoil at yes. the thought of like a 13 year old boy's breath <laughs> this gross. Really smelly little teenage boy it's so gross oh but that milky breath is gorgeous isn't it it's so nice apart from Alf now thinks it's a game to try and uh, bite down on the nose (laughs) that's not worth it but I did wonder like how long I'm gonna get away with carrying Alf for because even the baby carrier is getting a little bit snug now and I'm like oh I don't know how long I'm gonna be able to do this exercise or not yeah it's tricky I mean yeah but then it's there's that poem that goes around you never know that it's the last time and but then suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, it's the same. We gave um, Greta's buggy away recently. I was like, oh, wow, I don't really know when we stop using it, but we have. And it's that's, the, again, the weird thing about parenting. And last night, Bertie was like, oh, I don't know if I want you to read me a story, mummy. I'm just going to read my, to myself in my head. I was like, oh, all these times where I've bedtime has been a chore and I couldn't be bothered to read a story. And now you don't want me to read your story I anymore. That poem, because I actually do think that it's, part of it that as much as I'm like struggling and I feel like I'm in a bit of a negative place with motherhood I'm also like I am really enjoying he's like so much more interactive than he used yeah. to be I feel like sometimes you do have to remember well I'm saying about myself like, I have all the positives and you're right like one day it's done the last time can you can you if you know what that poem is can you find I'll it? find it for you but but brace yourself because it's <laughs> It is exactly it. And, you know, that, that parenting cliche of the of the days are long, but the years are fast could not be more true. You blink and it's it's gone, genuinely. I feel like that's like a, 
a kind of upbeat way to end what has been probably a bit of a whirlwind of uh, topics and yeah that's parenting though right it's honestly like really reassuring to speak to someone who's kind of like been through it and been through it three times as well the thing is you are enjoying it more than you think but it's really 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 hard and I think the moment you accept that of yourself and the situation the easier it becomes because saying it's difficult and that you don't enjoy it isn't isn't a counter to the fact that you adore your son and that parenting is a gift it's like it's trying to hold those two things at once and you know what I think that I don't enjoy it it's not well I obviously go through stages of parts of motherhood that I really don't enjoy but it's more like I've really noticed in myself and I don't know if you if you experience this and if you have any advice for this but I don't know if it's because I'm already on such a short fuse but I feel like I just get so overwhelmed so quickly which is funny Mm. because I've always been so good at handling pressure and you know I feel like anything that happens like even this morning losing my laptop I'm like short circuit yeah I, I, and I hate that in myself because I feel like that like impacts you know I'm always having like mini meltdowns to like people I work with to Tommy to and it could be over like the smallest thing and I'm like oh my god I used to be so good at dealing with life and I feel like life comes at me really quick these days just to prep like push myself I've got a really great podcast an episode of the podcast called on overwhelm and it's just that if you think about your life and you've got a jar and you've got all the things that are in it and you have your career your friendships your you know your relationship and now you've put another one in there and and just then you pour in little things like the equivalent of sand like shopping getting christmas presents getting the car serviced because you've got so many more big players in there, there just isn't the capacity for the little things. And sometimes they are the thing that that tip you over the edge. You've just got a lot. You've just got a lot going on. But the only advice I can give is to try and allow yourself to take some of those things out. Like Be better at not doing things because you ought to. Don't go to an event because you ought to come off the internet because that is just another thing in the brain. And, and trying to give yourself some space because as I keep saying, we can't, we cannot do it all. We can't. Mm. One like thing that I've found this week, which is probably like most people probably find out this 10 months ago, is that when I've been putting after bed, it's only just dawned on me that I can have headphones on and either listen to a podcast or watch What's something. This? And all of this oh. time I've been listening to like the lullaby and the white noise machine, just like <laughs> he'd go to sleep, like thinking like, oh my God, I just want to go downstairs so I can enjoy my evening. And now I'm like, wait I get to watch I've just watched Made it was absolutely amazing and I was like I get to watch Made up here like take your time sweet child so then he'll be long asleep and you'll find yourself still lying on the bedroom floor or whatever sitting outside in the corridor thinking oh I could go down but I'm quite happy here yeah but it's it's me time in a time that I felt like I wasn't getting me time now I'm like you take your sweet time my, my other advice with bedtime and we will wrap up soon is I've started eating my own dinner before I do kids' bedtime because the prop- the perfect storm is being hungry and trying to put them to bed and just thinking, all I want to do is get you to bed so I can go downstairs and eat. <laughs> now if I've eaten, I've kind of banked that. My, my blood sugar levels are quite good. I'm feeling quite good. And then if I do get them to bed, then I've got the whole evening at free time. So that's my, that's my parenting hack. Okay, that's a good little nugget to end on. I do get questions through from my lovely listeners every week. And Mm -hmm. I thought as a mum of three, you'd be perfect to answer this one from Lizzie. Uh, She got in touch 
over email, which is askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com if anybody wants to get in touch. And she said, hey, Ashley, thank you so much for the podcast. I've recently discovered it. It's helped me so much. My son turned 18 months yesterday, but he didn't start crawling for ages. And although he can cruise well, isn't yet independently walking. He's also saying a few words, but not much. I wanted to ask whether there was any tips other than talking to your baby to try and get them to talk more. I regularly go on to the BBC Tiny Happy People. I also want to say you're amazing for doing the podcast. Thank you again, Lizzie. So obviously, Alf isn't quite at that stage yet. Have you got any, any nuggets of wisdom or advice? No. But they will get there. They will get there. You've got some kids who who will do a lot of words straight up and there's some that will seem to be quiet for much longer and then come out with sentences. And, you know, more But fast forward to another year and all the kids who are all at different stages now will all end up in the same place. They will. And, yeah, it's so funny. You're just desperate, desperate for them to move on to the next stage. But actually, as we've just been saying, once they're walking and talking, you've no longer got any semblance of a baby left anymore. So don't wish it away and just know that these things can will change. And then on a serious note, if it is for you looking like you're you know, developmentally not hitting the milestones genuinely, then do do go and see someone. Don't sit there with that kind of paranoia because that isn't a nice place to be either. What a nice way to end, Clemmy. Thank you. So, well, not a nice My way pleasure. to end development issues, I meant. Don't wish it all. Don't wish it all away. No, and don't wish it. And I'll dig out that poem for you. I'll share it. I'll share it so you guys can see it as well. I loved having you on. I actually feel I a bit brighter about my do, day. Hang in there. Go easy on yourself. Try and just do some hanging and chilling and relaxing with your with your kid, you know? Lie on yeah. the sofa and read some books because because it's good for you to chill as well. That's we're not very good at chilling, are we? Yeah, very bad. Very like particularly bad at chilling. I'm like the most unchilled person. Yeah, but if like nice music and a candle and that kind of thing gets you there a bit better, or a bath, then then do that. Weirdly, I had a dream last night that I left a candle on. So. Hmm. Um, oh. Anyway, I am going to definitely listen to your podcast episode on overwhelm as well. Yeah, so. I'll share that with you too. Perfect. Thank you so much, Clemmy. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thanks to you guys for listening to Ashley James' First Time Mum Parenting Podcast. Um, Don't forget, if you did enjoy the episode, if you're enjoying the podcast, then hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave me a review. Obviously, a five-star rating helps as it helps others to find us. And if you think that someone would enjoy this podcast episode, then tell them about it and help us reach more people. And I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.